everybody. Welcome to the first episode of a brand new show called Man Eaters. I'm your host, James, uh, and thank you for joining me for the yeah the very first episode of what I hope will be a long-lasting series, but we'll see what happens. So, Man Eaters, what, what is this about? What are we talking about? Is it like that song, Man Eater? Not really. Uh, and by not really, I mean not at all. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. Man-eaters. We're talking about man-eating animals. Animals that prey on humans, use us as part of their food chain, um, animal attacks, uh, basically any scenario where human beings and, uh, you know, animals in nature come up against each other in some sort of combative way. Um, you might be asking yourself, why? Why do a podcast on this? Why are you doing this? Why bother? Well, there's a few reasons, but the main one is... I love animals. I've always loved animals. Uh, ever since I was little, me and my sister, we would have these <laughs> animal toys our parents would buy us. Um, zero points of articulation. They were really like animal statues, but we would play with them in the, in the sandpit for hours. Um, I've always been really fascinated by animals. And as I grew older, um, you know, animal attacks just became a... It's, it's a very morbid curiosity, but... There's something about the stories of when animals attack humans or, or when, you know, humans come into, into contact with these really dangerous wild animals. Not just wild animals as well, by the way, but, you know, animals in captivity. When, when these things happen, um, the stories can be quite in incredible. Um, I'll, I'll give you a story <laughs> really quickly that kind of leads into our topic for, for today. Um, when I was a little bit younger, um, just out of school... Um, still living with my parents uh, at home, I was a bit of an insomniac. I couldn't get to sleep. Um, and so one of the things that I would do to help me try to get to sleep is I would, um, you know, open my phone and just find something on Wikipedia that I thought was interesting and just read about it. So I probably started off with animals. Somehow down the line, I found this article, and I'm not going to give it away right now, but the article that relates to what we're talking about today. And I was so enthralled by the story. Um, that I immediately read all the sources I could for this particular event. I read all the related articles about it on Wikipedia, as many things as I could, and I found that I, weirdly, one of the things that I know a lot about and I'm interested by is stories about animal attacks and man-eating animals. So that's kind of what this, this is. You know, there's no, uh, there's no plan here to be honest, right? Like this could be a really long lasting thing or not. It's just a bit of fun for me, but I do think that these are interesting stories and I think that people out there will find them interesting as well. So I guess like as a general plan, let's say, let's call this season one. This is episode one of season one. I'll do 10 episodes and if people like it, um, I'll carry on and we'll keep doing it. We'll do a new season. And if not, if I won't do anything else and I won't have my feelings hurt, don't worry. But that does mean if you do enjoy this, um, you have to let me know somehow because otherwise I won't know to not stop after the 10th episode. So I, I guess if you do enjoy this episode, um, for, you know, subscribe on uh, Spotify or, or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Give us a, yeah, a follow. Um, and if we have a social media page, I don't have one now, but if we do end up having a social media page, you know, follow that. Um, uh, there's ways. Uh, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Let me know if you enjoy this and if I should keep going or not. Um, but I've got 10 episodes to, to, to win you over at least, okay? So, uh, yeah, we're going to get kicked off right away. These are going to be very bite-sized episodes, by the way. I don't want them to go longer than, like, 
15 minutes at all. So I want you to be like, you know, bite-sized, uh, you know, bite-sized packets of information that you can get on your drive to work. Um, all about a singular topic, which is uh, animal attacks and man-eating animals. So with that, let's leap into our main topic of the day. So when looking at man-eating animals, one of the things you might do is like, well, I wonder if there's a death toll list, if there's a list list of like the most, the 10, top 10 most lethal um, man-eating animals uh, in, in the future. And you might be asking yourself, well, what kind of animals are on this list? You know, uh, what would you think? Sharks, probably. There would probably be some sharks up there. Maybe crocodiles. Um, what else could eat you? A wolf? Maybe a bear? Yeah, all of those things. But most man-eating animals happen to be big cats. Leopards, cheetahs, uh, cougars sometimes, lions. But there's one that sort of stands above the rest in terms of lethality, and that's tigers. And we're going to talk about a really special tiger today. Um, we're talking about the Chumpawat tiger. Um, you probably haven't heard of this animal, but this is the most lethal man-eating animal in recorded history. The Chumpawat tiger has more confirmed kills than any single other animal on the planet that we know of. So um, let's just jump into it. This is the story of the Chumpawat tiger. It's the end of the 1800s and a new century is about to dawn in Nepal. In a village called Rapal, a serial killer, the likes of which the world had never seen before, emerges. Over the course of the next seven years, this individual would take the life of an estimated 436 people. The villagers in the area would panic and lock down, workers would refuse to leave their houses, and armies were brought in to try and stop the wave of killings. This deadly serial killer wasn't a man. It wasn't even a human. This is the story of the deadliest man-eater of all time, the Chumpawat Tiger. Chumpawat, also known as the Chumpawat Tigress and the Demon of Chumpawat, was a female Bengal tiger whose territory initially was located in the village of Rupal, which is situated in West Nepal in the Himalayas. Tigers were common in the area, and although they were obviously feared by the villagers as they are today, generally there was a peaceful cohabitation between the people and the big cats. However, this all changed when a spate of tiger attacks occurred in the region, in the final years of the 19th century. Professional hunters were called in to track the tiger down, but it evaded all their patrols and the killings continued. Eventually, the government sent in the Nepalese army to deal with the situation. After failing to capture or even contain the tiger, a massive bush beat was organised. Now, a beat otherwise known as a patrol is a collection of military personnel, law enforcement and private contractors. This beat managed to track the tiger and force her out of her territory across the river Sada. Now, this was inarguably great news for the people of Rapal, who could now rest easy knowing that this tiger was no longer a threat to them. It was not, however, a great day for the people of the Kamoan district in India. The tiger, for lack of a better term, set up shop in this new territory, and after dealing with the hunters and the army's patrols, the Chumpawat tiger adjusted its hunting behaviour. She learned how to best hunt and invade humans. She would travel great distances between kills, traveling between villages sometimes up to 32 kilometers apart, and always at night to avoid suspicion. She would ambush a victim, consume them, and then move to a different village in the area to avoid unwanted human contact. 
the behaviour she adapted was more typical of that of a Sumatran tiger. As she became more familiar with the area, her territory grew larger, containing many villages in the Camoan region. The town of Champawat was located pretty close to the centre of her new territory. She went on to kill hundreds of villages in India, most of them women and children, who became easy targets as they were often the ones who would travel outside the villages into the jungle to forest for firewood, crafting materials and food for livestock. The demon of Champawat always killed during the day, behaviour which according to experts tracks for man-eating tigers. In fact, according to Jim Corbett, a person we will talk about very soon, he is not familiar with a single case of a man-eating tiger killing in the night. Regardless of the time of day, the men in the villages often refused to leave for work and the communities came to a standstill. Life became paralysed and the people would flee indoors after hearing the monster's roars from the forest. Eventually, all of this piqued the interest of a very exciting character. Jim Corbett was a British naturalist, tracker, hunter and author who was actually born in the Camoan region of India. A colonel in the British Indian Army, Corbett was frequently hired by the government for his skill at tracking big cats. Corbett would become a legendary hunter who took down several man-eaters in the years to follow. In 1907, Corbett travelled to the Champawat region and interviewed the villagers to get as much information as he could. One day, a 16-year-old girl named Premka Devi was attacked and killed by the tiger in the village of Fungar. The cat left a trail of blood which Jim followed. He tracked the cat for several days and eventually came across the remains of yet another victim. As Jim closed in to examine the body, he was ambushed by the tiger. He likely would have been killed, but he managed to scare the demon away with two shots from his rifle. Now, realizing that the mission was becoming too dangerous, he abandoned the hunt and decided to come up with a new plan. Over the next few weeks, with the help of a tax officer from Champawat, Corbett organized yet another massive beat to try and finally capture or kill the tiger once and for all. Eventually, they had amassed over 300 villagers, and the next day the group set out to end the killings. The group swept through the Champa River Gorge, and within a day, they had come across the tiger. Corbett approached and fired twice, hitting the cat in the chest and the shoulder. These shots weren't enough to bring her down, and the cat prepared to charge. Out of bullets, Jim grabbed the tax officer's rifle and fired once, hitting her in the foot. The tiger collapsed, a mere six meters in front of the men. At last, after seven years, and 436 deaths, the Champawat tiger was dead. A post-mortem of the tiger was performed and it showed that the tiger's upper and lower canine teeth on its right side were broken. Corbett said that the injury was likely the result of a gunshot wound earlier in its life and the lack of functional canine teeth probably forced the tiger to abandon its natural prey and take up hunting humans instead. Apart from the broken teeth, Corbett stated that the tiger was otherwise in perfect health and estimated her to be between 10 and 12 years of age. Jim Corbett would go on to become the most well-known hunter of big cats. He got plenty of work. The Chumpawat cat would be the first of many man-eaters he would kill in a 30-year career. During the 20th century, deforestation forced many tigers and leopards in India into smaller and smaller pockets of territory and diminished their food chains. Unable to hunt the prey that they relied on, many big cats turned to hunting humans. Ironically, it was human actions that led to the rise of the Champawat cat and to the death of 436 men, women and children. Had it not been for the hunters and for deforestation, this story likely would have gone a very different way. The town of Champawat today has a population of over 5,000 people. Near the Chittar Bridge and on the way to Longat, there is a cement board marking the place where the tigress was finally brought down. 
Well, there you have it, guys. That was the story of the Chumpawat Tiger, a.k.a. the Demon of Chumpawat, uh, a.k.a. the most deadly tiger in the world, um, a.k.a. the Devil. Sometimes they just called it the Devil. So I, ho I hope you found that story interesting. I, I find that tale so bloody fascinating <laughs> and, and kind of bone-chilling as well um, when I think about what it must have been like to be a villager you know, in, in, in India and Nepal in the early 1900s when these tigers were actually going around eating you. Like, we don't tend to think of ourselves as in the food chain anymore, but when you live in a place like that, um, with these animals that live in your backyard, you are still part of the, of the food chain. Um, you know, it, Jim Corbett's a really interesting character too, and I think that at some point down the line, we should do a full episode about him because... He is a recurring character. If we keep doing these stories, particularly ones that involve um, man-eating big cats, he keeps coming up. Because the Chumpawat cat was the first one that he that he took down, but there were several. And I also, while we're talking about Jim Corbett as well, I want to make a quick note that, like, for a lot of people, including myself, when I hear, when you hear the word hunter, you think of like dickheads going around killing animals for no reason. And for the most part, I still think that's true. But there are situations like this one, and particularly back in, like, olden times, like the 1900s, this, that job was very necessary. Like, that cat, that tiger, had to die. We, like, we could, it could not have been kept alive. It killed 436 innocent people. Um, so, someone had to kill it, or capture it. Um, but to be honest, that kind of animal, it's not the kind of animal you can capture. And it, it's really sad. It's a really sad story because there are victims. There's 437 victims, in my opinion. 436 of them are ne uh, Nepalese and Indian villagers who were killed. But the the last victim is the tiger itself. Um, you know, it's important to remember that tigers aren't evil. No animal's evil, really, apart from humans. Like, evil is a human invention or a human concept. So animals don't have that in them. They don't know. They just do what they need to do. This tiger was probably just living its life. And like Jim Corbett said, upon the autopsy, they found the broken teeth. It had its teeth broken in what was likely a gunshot. So some dickhead hunter, when this tiger was really young, shot it and didn't manage to kill it. And the tiger ran off and it had these broken teeth for the rest of its life. And because when you're in a food chain, you need to take advantage of every single tool that you have to be able to survive. You're hunting deer and you're hunting pigs, things that are really fast, things that have really thick skin, and if you don't have the teeth to be able to hunt those animals, you're going to go hungry. And because you're hungry, you're then less likely to be able to hunt any other animals as well. So what do you do? What does the tiger do? The tiger doesn't just roll over and die. That's not in its nature. The tiger adapts. And what does it adapt to do? What's a hunt? Well, I guess it could hunt small animals, like birds and stuff, if it can catch them. Uh, sure. But how long is that sustainable when you're a massive, massive, I don't know how big they are, like 200 kilogram tiger? That's not feasible. So what do you turn to? Well, maybe you turn to the weird, fleshy, hairless, bipedal uh, people that are just walking around who don't have a natural defense against you and who aren't really prepared to be looking out for goddamn tigers all the time so i guess and i think this will be a, a theme that comes up again and again animals 
when this happens a lot of the time it's, it's human beings fault when we hunt uh, to excess we take away food from tigers when you deforest you make their habitat smaller and smaller and smaller and you push them into a box and so when you do these things you can't be surprised when nature turns around and decides that you know what that's that's enough I'm putting you back in the food chain and I think that that's what happened in Champawat in India uh, unfortunately for a lot of people um, but you know that is the story um, most prolific serial killer in the animal kingdom um, that we know of uh, and I think it's a really really interesting story but that'll do it guys for the first episode I hope this hasn't gone too long hopefully it's right on the queue I hope you enjoyed this as well I really enjoyed uh, researching this and writing the script and recording it and I had a lot of fun so we're going to do a few more episodes of this um, there are two episodes I'm very excited to record um, one about Travis the chimpanzee and one about Gustav the crocodile so I think we will probably do um, those guys next but there are I have a list of like 20 animals which are really interesting if you are interested interested in anything as well um drop me a line put a comment somewhere send me an email i'm sure we'll figure out how to do that um and let me know what you'd like to hear about also by the way i should have mentioned this at the beginning i'm not a biologist and i'm not an, a naturalist i'm not anything like that i'm just an, i'm an actor i'm just an actor with 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 a weird <laughs> with a weird morbid curiosity about this particular subject so if I got anything wrong, I don't think I did. I think I did pretty good research. But if I got something wrong and you know about this stuff, let me know. Let me know and I'll do a retraction or something. I'll Because I'll, I want to get this right as well. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if you think there's something I got wrong, uh, please correct me. And please hold me to account for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and like I said at the, at the forefront, if you did enjoy it, um, follow it. Follow me on, follow this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts and, and that'll, that'll do it guys. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Man Eaters. Um, I'm excited for episode two. See you later. Bye.